This message is a recording from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space to practice the ways of Jesus together as the multi-ethnic family of God. My name is Erin, as Chris said. Thank you for praying for me, Chris. Um, My pronouns are she, her, and before we begin, I'd like to open up with a land acknowledgement. Um, To honor the Native people that existed here before us, this land that we dwell upon today, Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Phoenix, is the ancestral land of the Thana Otham Nation. We acknowledge their historical roots in this place and the many generations who were stewards of this land before it was stolen from them. It's interesting to me that when the light is on in your home, you can see where everything is. But when the power goes out, you often look for a flashlight, a candle to burn so that you don't stub your toe, your knee, or your shin. But as I think about it, haven't you for the other 364 days of the year seen the same room every day? How is it that you do not know the distance between that door and the cabinet, corner of the counter and the couch? But if you had started by learning the dimensions of the space in the dark, I imagine there would be this settled confidence, no fear of potential injury that could harm you because the darkness has taught you to pay attention to all the things that could injure you when you cannot see, or all the things that could bring you pain when you cannot make sense of your surroundings. In this case, I guess you could say, the darkness has taught you. Reverend Dr. Wilda C. Gaffney Gaffney says this, the mystic Howard Thurman taught us that somewhere between the light and the darkness, between the shadow and glory, there is a space that he called the luminous darkness. Others have called it radiant blackness. Think of the night sky spangled with stars or the sheen on black silk or satin or the glow of beautifully ebony skin. In the age of Black Lives Matter, I invite you to take another look at the light and the darkness and see them on your own terms. The darkness and light coexist. There is always shadow. We can't see in the dark. We trip over the smallest thing, but it is not the dark that hurts us. It is our own limitations because of our blindness. Christ lights our way. Christ is the light that allows us to see the light in all people and all situations. Howard Thurman's book, The Luminous Darkness, was originally published in 1965 and written as a commentary on what segregation does to the human soul and the challenges that lie ahead of the fight for civil rights. To give you context, five years before the book came out, the famous Greensboro, North Carolina sit-in movement happened in 1960 when four black students decided to exercise their rights by sitting in spaces only made for white people. From that, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee was founded. In 1961, the Freedom Riots took place. In 1962, a crisis mob erupted, killing two people and injuring more than 200 after the state-funded University of Mississippi racially integrated by admitting one black man named James Meredith. 
1963, despite the significance of the March on Washington in August, by mid-September, white supremacists sent a message by bombing the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama, killing four little African-American girls. The following year, in 1964, the Civil Rights Act was instituted and the KKK burned down an African-American church known by the FBI as the Mississippi Burning, which resulted in killing a black man and two white allies after they went to go see what had became of the burned down church. And then, in 1965, Howard Thurman releases his book and presents this idea called The Luminous Darkness. He opens with this idea. In an appendix to a term paper, one of my students included the following in his description of his experience as a deep sea diver. En route to the floor of the ocean, the diver first passes through the belt of the fishes. This is a wide band of light reflected from the surface of the sea. From this area, he moves to a depth of water that cannot be penetrated by light above the surface. It is dark, foreboding, and eerie. The diver's immediate reaction is to be one of fear and sometimes a sudden spasm of panic that soon passes. As he drops deeper and deeper into the abyss, slowly his eyes begin to pick up the luminous quality of the darkness. What was fear is relaxed and he moves into the lower region with confidence and peculiar vision. Psalm 139, 11 through 12. If I say, surely the darkness shall overcome me, shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. He goes on to say, the gift of darkness is in knowing that God is everywhere and that God is shown to be brilliant and luminous in the dark times of life. Thurman was trying to chart a path forward post-desegregation by reminding African Americans that once you settle into the darkness, the light of love within will light the world around you. He understood that segregation was more than a set of laws, it was a state of mind. And in order for the world to change, the mindset of our world had to change because the journey ahead post-segregation wasn't going to change overnight, Thurman suggests that black Americans can no longer correlate darkness to only pain, fear, and panic. But darkness had to become a peaceful teacher. In a way, Thurman was also saying, let the darkness teach you where the light is. I too, have had to let the darkness teach me. I've been on a therapy journey myself for two and a half years now, and more recently have moved into a rhythm of seeing my therapist every two to three months instead of bi-weekly to see if I can put into practice the things that I've been learning. My first go around was just a few weeks ago, and I definitely noticed the length of time between my last therapy session and the next. Interestingly enough, there was this fear that kept creeping up within me, this fear of white violence that kept coming up for me. 
I didn't know where it was coming from. But it was a constant fear of looking over my shoulder and trying to make sure that I was safe. I was feeling like somebody was going to jump me, harm me, or try to kill me, or my husband. It was weird. And as I described this to my therapist, I thought, maybe it's something to do with the murder mystery plot movies I like to watch. Or maybe it was the stories of black lynchings recounted and told in a book I'm currently reading called Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents by Isabel Wilkerson. But after further investigation, my therapist suggested that maybe what I'm feeling isn't necessarily from this lifetime, but from previous lifetimes, because the body keeps the score. What she meant is that my life is a summation of lives. Erin Dooley isn't just a singular individual. She is a summation of ancestors with many lived experiences that weren't easy and often horrific in the darkness of the post-Atlantic slave trade and chattel slavery. So I am a product of my mother and father's life, my grandfather and my grandmother's life, my great-grandfather and my great-grandmother's life, and so on and so on and so on. And maybe, just maybe, When I learn in history the things that have happened to my people, something is awakened inside of my own body which feels like darkness hovering around me. And maybe what I feel, I feel it not because I've experienced it, but because the ones that have gone before me have. And so we moved on to doing an EMDR practice which is essentially a form of psychotherapy that enables people to heal from the symptoms of emotional distress by rapidly moving their eyes from side to side while simultaneously processing traumatic events. The same rapid eye movement that happens when you sleep happens when you're awake when you practice EMDR and therapy. For my own life story and journey, it has honestly been the practice that has caused me to no longer feel trauma around traumatic memories and lived experiences that I've had. So while doing EMDR around the fear of white violence, I had this process of thought. Feeling like you cannot escape white violence feels hopeless. It feels like a relentless hunter, a beast that won't stop hunting its prey. And then I had this epiphany. What is it that will protect me from white violence? It is love of self. A deeply rooted love of self is what protects me from white violence. The darkness of violence has taught me just how powerful love is. Love of self as a black woman is more powerful than white violence. It's more powerful than anti-blackness. Brittany Griner's love of self as a queer black woman is more powerful than those who think she should have stayed captive under Russian regime. Love of self as a Native American is more powerful than American genocide because it is rooted in love, which is an unbendable, unbreakable, unshakable force that is greater than hate. 
And like the stars you can see in the darkness, love invites all who look upon it to wonder what it might be to be like it. Stars are 2.6 million light years from the earth, but can only be seen in the darkness of the earth. So let the darkness teach you. Lori Erickson says this, the Bible is actually more nuanced on the subject of darkness than we might realize. Jacob wrestles with an angel in the darkness. For example, a contest that leaves him with both a blessing and a limp. The exodus from the Egypt happens at night. Prophetic dreams and messages come in the darkness of sleep. Jesus was likely born in the darkness of a cave that served as a manger, for that is typically where animals were sheltered during his era. And he rose from the dead in the darkness of a cave serving as a tomb. Darkness, in other words, often contains the seeds of life. Darkness is an essential part of being human. One of the things that can tip someone into depression, psychologists say, is what they call a low tolerance for sadness. That's the belief that people are supposed to be happy all the time, and if you're not, something's wrong with you. But the so-called dark emotions, which include sadness and fear, are simply part of being human. Sitting with them and experiencing them fully doesn't mean that you have to live with them forever, but it helps to realize they're always going to occupy bedrooms in our psychic houses, and they will come downstairs at least occasionally and take up residence in our living rooms. We may as well learn something from them when they're sitting across from us in the evening. Let the darkness teach you. As you know, we meet here at Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Phoenix, and this building has been in existence since 1928. Now, because of how old the building is, it doesn't necessarily function the way a building functions if it was built in 2022. Of course, we love Grace Lutheran Church, and we love being here. But sometimes the building is just a little different. I mean, you got to go down in the basement to use the bathroom. You know what I'm saying? I know you've experienced that at least once or twice. But off and on for a few weeks while we were setting, out, um, setting up for Kaleo, there was this light that wouldn't turn off. And Chris and I on different, different occasions tried, probably spent an hour on our own trying to figure out what is up with this light. And then one day, Chris found this knob that turned like a dial while we were discussing the complexities of this 1928 building. And while he turned the knob ever so slightly, my eyes never left the light to see if it would change. I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me because I thought I saw the light dim just a little bit, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to say anything, so maybe I was in my mind or in my head. But as Chris walked away, maybe five more feet, I followed that nudge that said, Chris, do that one more time. And to our surprise, this 1928 building did indeed have a light switch that turned like a dial. 
And as I reflected on this funny experience, I thought about how we sometimes don't know when the light is changing or when the darkness is increasing because we haven't studied it. We haven't studied the spaces that are dark and filled with pain long enough to know when light is ever present. Long enough to see the luminous side of darkness. That we might sense the change when light is at the break of dawn. John the Baptist was in the wilderness and understood the darkness of the times. He understood the darkness enough to know when light was present. And the shift in light and darkness caused him to send someone to confirm what he believed to be true. Could this be Jesus? And so we find ourselves in Matthew 11, 2 through 11. It says, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? Was it a prophet? Yes, I tell you more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. As I conclude Tonight, we'll gather around the tables with Jesus as the host. I know that you never know who's going to sit beside you or in front of you at the table, but tonight I want to invite you to attend the table with intention and listen to one another for the kind of darkness they may be experiencing. Let it teach us. May the darkness represented by the community we're a part of be our collective teacher. If you've been following the present renaissance of artificial intelligence, for kicks, I'm always trying something new, for kicks, I asked this famous chat GPT, which is just an online AI chat box, I asked it to take this idea of Advent, Advent, the thoughts of Howard Thurman's book, Luminous Darkness, and the idea of darkness being your teacher, and make a poem out of it. And to my amazement, this AI chat thing wrote a poem in less than 30 seconds. And I want to read it to you. 
for no other reason than I think it embodies the tension of both light and darkness. Because our society is on the cusp of a new turn in technology and because it's also on the cusp of a reality that has the potential to bring great harm to humanity. And in the reality of that tension, as Jay and Tina come up, I'll read to you this poem entitled, Let the Darkness Teach You. In the dark of the night, when all is still, the world around us seems to fade. But in this quiet moment, a seed begins to grow, unseen by mortal eyes, but felt within the soul. For in the luminous darkness, there is a hidden truth, a lesson to be learned and a wisdom to be gleaned. In the season of Advent, we wait in hopeful anticipation for the light to come and chase away the shadows. But do not fear the darkness, for it has much to teach if we are willing to listen and let it guide our way. So let the darkness teach you. Let it show you what you need to see. For in the luminous darkness lies the path to true clarity. Amen. Let's take a moment and just be silent and still and ask the Lord, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to do? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we stare into the darkness of our own lives, the darkness of our community, the darkness of our city, the things that are hard and difficult and don't make sense, would you show us where the light is? And would you teach us to find peace and stillness in the dark on this third Sunday of Advent. Amen. If this message encouraged you, let us know or share it with someone you know. For more information about Kaleo, visit kaleophx.com or follow us on social media at kaleophx.com.